Hippie is an establishment label for a profound, invisible, underground, evolutionary process. For every visible hippie, barefoot, beflowered, beaded, there are thousands invisible members of the turned-on underground. Persons whose lives are turned in their inner vision, who are dropping out of the TV comedy of American life. Hello and welcome to episode 306 of Under the Cover Under the Covers. <laughs> that that could be a fun one. Do an under the covers episode. Uh under the call of MS. This is normal Thursday episode, comics, multiple sclerosis, health, whatever. And we got a nice little stack of comics to catch up on still. So let's get on with it. Starting out with crossover number 10 by Image Comics. Donnie Cates, Geoff Shaw, D. Conniff, John J. Hill. And this story is getting deeper and we're getting... More of the basis behind the artists and the writers of the comics and what's going on and why the writers of the comics are being hunted down. And we got to find out if when they take out the writer, does it take out all the writer's characters? And if the writer worked on a comic with other people and do the characters still stay since other people also worked on them? I don't know. Something I want to know more about, but we got to get deeper in the story to find out whether or not that's something that can happen. But yeah, we get a little further into the whole picking at the whole bubbled area where the comic book style characters came from. The dome. Uh, we get to see what the government entities are doing with that. We get more questioning going on by the little comic book characters. Some of the writers along the way that are still alive, still around. And this story staying strong as ever. I and mean, it's just a great, I mean, if you, if you take on one story this year, I suggest checking out Crossover because it's got a whole new enjoyable concept that's included in this run that just, the story's been all over the place. Lots of fun. Very interesting view at the way things could go. And a lot of these stories that I'm talking about today are like perfect ones to jump into. We got Dark Ages, number two and three. This one I talked about the first one a while back. And just haven't touched back on it since then, so I wasn't. Wasn't even sure where the story was or what it was about, so I had to get caught back up. So, A being of immense power called the Unmaker was sealed away inside the earth. Billions of years later, the Unmaker awakened and began to destroy the planet from within, causing massive destruction. Earth's heroes sent a small strike force to combat that threat. Dr. Strange released an EMP wave that halted the Unmaker. However, with Strange now dead, the portal remained open, and the EMP wave encompassed the entire planet, wiping out all electricity. 
Now, seven years later, the survivors have formed a new society without the use of electricity. But other darker forces are also at work. This is a great story. I'm glad I jumped into it. I was had it on my list to buy, and then I stopped and put it back, or took it off my list, and then I ended up getting the first issue from a comic book store once it did come out and really enjoyed it and then forgot to pick up the other issues. But you got just tons of characters involved in here. And, and you got Deadpool, Hawkeye, the Hawkeyes, Shang-Chi, and just Captain America. All the characters you can think. Miss Marvel. And they're just all fighting with everybody. Well, not really fighting they're trying not to fight they're trying to work together trying to get everything going we find out that a lot of brains are working together good and bad trying to deal with this emp force that took the powers away and they're trying to find ways to get all this figured out and at the same time you got the monsters that are like all right we got darkness let's party and they're all you got characters that are dealing with those monsters you got characters that are dealing with the scientific parts of it trying to figure out everything and it's just a lot of bouncing back and forth between the stories a lot of uh characters how should i say it characters changing their ways uh surprise introductions to people and things and yeah, a lot of things going on to try and end this issue that's been happening. And uh, I can't remember if this was a four or five issue run, but we're still waiting to get to the finish of that. But where there are finishes, there has to be new beginnings. And speaking of new beginnings, and that was by Marvel Comics, by the way, the the Dark Ages run. If you didn't figure it out by the characters that are part of it. Uh, Chaos Comics, Dynamite and Chaos combined. Start up a new run. <coughs> excuse me. Of Evil Ernie. This is issue one of Evil Ernie. Uh, this is volume three. Issue one. But it's kind of like a whole new look at Ernie. We don't get the abused child from this one. We get more of a familiar, well-known kid character that ends up having some things happen to him. Some bad things. And... We kind of get we kind of get a nightmare world and a dream world kind of crossing over and combining throughout this storyline. He he's got a good lifestyle, great friends, a good. 
good school life going on. He's the life of the party. But yet, is he? I mean, there's little things that happen along the way that happen to bring Ernie into his future realm. How he ends up with Smiley uh, getting the button. How his life changes, turns upside down. (laughs) And he wasn't the Fresh Prince. This is evil Ernie. And his life definitely gets turned upside down. But yeah, I'm kind of curious why they're giving this new depiction of him. Why they aren't going off the old... Storyline where his parents were abusive and he had a shitty life. And this one just gives him more of an upbeat, happier lifestyle. And then, of course, all hell breaks loose and changes his happy lifestyle. Turns it around. Things happen. But <clears throat> it's interesting seeing, seeing how they're playing this. I'm kind of curious how it's going to go with all the other runs that have started up around this period. Um, and Ernie looks way younger in this. And from what I, he looks more like a late teens. Whereas the older, the other evil Ernie was more of a mid twenties style guy, mid to late twenties, that type of character to me. But, yeah, it's. I will give it a few issues. See where it goes. There's a good chance I'll never get off that run, just because I love. It. I've always been a huge backer of Evil Ernie. I always felt for the guy, and loved his abilities, and could see being in his shoes going through those those things that he's gone through. And then we got Bloom. This is the final Bloom comic. Number four. Uh, did the Kickstarter again. Got the Ted Sakura. Okay, we're going to get attacked here in a second. I got a cat jumping up on us. So we got to coddle him, get him tucked in. How's it going there, Mr. Lemmy Killmeister? Thought you were outside playing. Yeah. Decided not to stay outside. Decided to come and hang out with me. But yeah, we get deeper into the final issue of Bloom, number four. With Regina and her little thing and how everything's working out between her and him. And it was a really great ending uh, to a great story. If you want something fun and interesting, check out. That's why I use the Timothy Leary Woodstock era quote because this storyline plays along side of Woodstock and you get all that in here. I don't think it gave gives any type of new depiction in here. But with the Kickstarter, we got signed Ted Sakura books throughout it 
and they do have the the story so far. Like the year is 1969. Ramsey is an auto mechanic in Cleveland who is also an inspiring comic book creator. He's been painting a mannequin to design the look of his villain, but can't nail it down. He attends a street fair with his fiance Patty, where he happens upon a wild hippie dancer named Regina. After the show, Ramsey approaches her and asks her if she'd be willing to pose as a mystic villain. Their schedules finally align on the same weekend as Woodstock. Ramsey explains that the body paint glyphs are something he saw one night when he was tripping. The photo shoot is everything Ramsey hoped it would be and more. Ramsey wants to return home, but Regina begins reacting oddly to the character and the body paints. She insists going deeper into the woods where they become hopelessly lost. Her erratic behavior and mood swings seem to be fed by some psychotic connection she has with the character. The duo happens upon an abandoned house in the middle of the woods. I, I don't want to give all this stuff away. You got to read it. Read it. It's, you would not want to miss out on this story. Uh, There's just four issues. It's definitely worth it. The Kickstarter was the way to go because they had lots of great bonuses. Uh, everybody this time around got a Hero Tomorrow comic signed if they wanted it signed. For free, thrown in with their whatever they bought, bought from the run this time. I also got the Bloom uh, cover that was a fun little play on the Amazing Spider-Man cover that has Medusa holding Spider-Man face down on the ground with her hair. And Regina uses her little powers to do the same. She's in the same position with him and has him held down with her little powers. And I also got a Dan Parent cover. I got it signed, but sadly it was signed by Ted Sakura, which is good but I would have rather have it signed by Dan Parent. That's a fun little photo shoot cover. And then I got the Bloody Tambourine cover, which I love, signed by Ted Skura. And, of course, signed uh, posters and stuff and extra little things that came along with that there. But, yeah, this, this finish up was great. Uh, she gets deeper into her. Bodies take over. He gets put through more trials and tribulations. And this fat little cat just won't stop squirming around. <laughs> I got you tucked in, you little shithead. Just relax. I'm petting you as I talk. You're purring away. You don't have to move and kick your leg up to move the microphone away from you. And, and kick the leg up in my face so I pet you more. It's like shove your head in my mouth. Yeah. Eat your brains. Yeah. Eat your little fuzzy brain. Does that feel good? When I rub your nose, it feel good. <laughs> oh, freak. <laughs> All right. And then we got Vampy Verse. We hit issue four. It's got an awesome, awesome Cheshire cat 
uh, Alice in Wonderland style cover. I just love this cover. Let's see. I don't don't think this really had a synopsis in the start of it. I will check. Nope. No synopsis, but we get to find out some more vampirellas in here that are getting stalked and hunted and killed off. And uh, the one vampirella is still trying to kill all the other vampire vampirella characters throughout time, throughout the different verses multiverses take them all out and while she's doing it we uh also see some things happen to the book the little boy that's a living book and how he gets taken advantage of and they do th uh, the bad vampirella uh, tries to do things and take it, take over his powers and stuff. And we get to see a giant Vampirella in here, which is awesome. A Godzilla style Vampirella. <laughs> uh, we get to see uh, oh, a couple other Vampirellas. One's a prehistoric times Vampirella. And it's just, I love seeing all the different multiverse figures. And I love how Dynamite decided to uh, get along with everybody else at the same time with this whole multiverse thing. So that was cool. Man, it was really, really enjoyable. You're such a little Purrosaurus today. It's winter, but it's nice out. It's, he was out playing for a little while and decided to come in. And the last thing I'm going to talk about also a Kickstarter. Kind of a disappointing Kickstarter. We didn't get any extras with this other than stupid digital crap. But this was Zombie Date Night. And I got the autograph cover, of course. Uh, and it's done by Steve Urinas, who also did uh, the Sloth comics that we talked about, the horror comics, where the sloths killed everybody. And in here, we get a teaser of that on a page. And I get some little callbacks in here for stuff like that. But this reminded me a lot of it, except with zombies. But these two characters meet up. Basically, standard online date setup where you both lie about the way you look. And you meet up and you're not who you think you're meeting. And... Eventually, throughout the story, kind of fall for each other anyways a little bit. But it's a interesting look at a world gone wrong with zombies appearing and chaos ensuing and characters trying to make it through a, a mall atmosphere with zombies which we've never seen that before <laughs> I love the this group of characters that they get together with the little old lady and stuff it's a lot of fun watching them hanging out and 
what happens along the way, the choice of weaponry they use to deal with the zombies, uh, an ex-boyfriend that appears in here. It's just, it was just as much fun as the sloth uh, books that Steve did. So I definitely suggest checking it out. Zombie Date Night. Not sure if it's out in the regular racks or if you could only get it through Kickstarter or what. Uh, hopefully, since I paid the amount I did and didn't get no extras, hopefully it's just a Kickstarter project. I got a cat that's flipping himself over so far that he's going to fall just so he gets extra petting. It's like, shut up and pet me, Sam. I don't want you talking. I want you to pet me. That's all I want. I'm furry and fat. Give me your hand and pet me, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm calling you fat. <laughs> Try you fit in the family. Bunch of fat asses. Yeah. Well, let's see. Other than that, let's end this segment off since I can't hold anything other than a Fat furry cat. Let's <laughs> just talk about what I've been watching on TV lately. Uh, well, I got Shelly the Acorn Channel, which that's pretty much all Midsummer Murders is what we've been watching on there. And she's been watching some other British murder stuff on there, I'm sure, when I'm not around. On Disney Plus, I finally finished off the Bad Batch. Which that's an excellent run. If you're going to check it out, make sure you watch the last season of Clone Wars first. That gives you a little introduction to the Bad Batch. And then it's a great, great final uh, season anyways. It was a great, great way to finish off a, a run. So check that out. But yeah, the Bad Batch, lots of fun. I like all those characters. Uh, and I checked out all the what if what if comics, cartoon comics. They were okay. I'd say the ones I did like was the Star Lord episode, the zombie episode, of course. Anything zombies, I'm gonna like. And then the one with Thor being the only kid, uh, not having Loki as a brother. Just makes Thor more of a little shit himself. So, yeah. That was... Those are the ones I liked the most out of those. And I started to watch Hawkeye. Checked out the first couple episodes and loved it. Did not, did not expect to get into it. But now I'm going to hold off to finish it off. Because there's one episode left. Coming out yet. And I want to finish it off. But uh, I was told that... It would be a good idea to watch Black Widow before I watch all that. So I'm going to check out the Black Widow movie first, maybe this afternoon. And then I'll finish off the rest of Hawkeye before something else comes out. Like I think I was mentioning that I think the Eternals is coming out in January or something on there. But yeah, I figure I'll have it through January and then probably get rid of Disney Plus again for a while and get some other, maybe go back to Hobo Max and get caught up on uh, 
some things on there, like the Harley animated series that I missed out on and Doom Patrol I never finished off and stuff. So, But then we also last week went to, last Friday went to Spider-Man No Way Home. Checked out that movie and like I, I think I mentioned, I bought the two disc, blue, Blu-ray disc and it had Spider-Man Far From Home on top and Spider-Man Homecoming down below. So I watched them backwards. I should have watched Homecoming first, but not like it's going to screw up anything. You can remember everything that happened. Get caught up and it's like the first two were okay, but I mean, everything's Peter Parker's fault. Everything that happens, none of the problems would have ever happened if it wasn't for him. He just causes tons of issues through the movies. Uh, oh, I just had a kitty cat curl its head up in my armpit and it get all cute for a second. And then I bugged him. But uh, the third movie, the best one of the three. This is just an excellent movie. I had lots of fun with it. And there's, of course, has the issues with Peter being in those shit. Screwing a lot of things up. More worried about himself than his loved ones. And it causes you problems if you do that. It's like, but yeah, I was not disappointed at all. Actually had about a half, well, I'd say about a third full, maybe quarter full uh, movie theater for the first time. Usually there's only a few other people in the theater when we go lately because of COVID times, which is nice. But yeah, it's Spider-Man No Way Home. I suggest going and checking it out. Uh, if you're a Spider-Man fan, if you haven't got all the spoilers yet, even if you got spoilers, the movie's still enjoyable. But thankfully, I didn't hear no spoilers beforehand. And uh, I'm not going to spoil any of it for you. Other than stick around to the end of the movie. There's a couple things at the end of it. Don't walk out early. You don't have to get in your car before everybody else and hurry up out of town. (laughs) It's like, it it always pissed me off when I'd go with certain friends to sporting events and we'd be at the sporting event and it's the last period, last quarter or whatever and they uh, leave you. But I'm going to end it there and I'll get back to you with the next segment right after this. All right, let's talk some health stuff. Let's see here, we got some chair-based workouts for people. Chair-based exercises are increasing in popularity as people realize their myriad physical benefits. The MS Gym, a comprehensive online platform that includes exercise as well as education for people with multiple sclerosis, MS, and other neurodegenerative conditions offers things like this. Same with DDP, yoga. You can get chair workouts, you can get bed workouts, you can get floor standing, walking, whatever. All kinds of workouts, kids' workouts. Exercising in a chair also can enhance endurance and flexibility in the upper body. Chair-based workouts could help with core and postural strength, balance, and range of motion. 
Chair workouts can be customized for individual limitations and abilities and can be challenging. Basically, all you need is a sturdy chair that doesn't have wheels and that's wide enough to allow you to move freely. The chair should be at a height that puts your hips at or above knee level. Exercise equipment like dumbbells, ankle weights, exercise bands, medicine balls, Pilates balls, and under desk bikes all can be incorporated into chair workouts. To position yourself, you should sit towards the front of the chair, place your feet firmly on the ground and press some weight into them so you're secure. We rely on sensory information that comes up through our feet. That information helps with proprioception, the ability to perceive one's body in space, which provides a sense of balance and spatial orientation. So I don't know if our gait can mess with our sitting ability we're working on or not. It's something that I haven't seen out there yet. But it, you would think, since it has to deal with our feet and our legs and back and everything, and it might affect our sitting ability too. What you can do. You can do yoga, dancing, boxing, karate, sports movements, even jumping jacks. All can be done in a chair. I Have you not seen a Jackie Chan movie? And that guy can sit in a chair and use that to take out a whole clan full of characters. Even people who don't have physical limitations can benefit from doing stretches in their desk chairs throughout the day or taking a break to do a series of tricep dips or squats using a chair. It's said that you should at least every hour get up and move around if you have a sitting position. Your body's just going to get too secure in it otherwise and stiffen up and it's not going to be good in the long run. Doing short bouts of movement while sitting helps you stay fresh, focused, and neurologically stimulated. Some online chair exercises you can find other than the ones I mentioned would be above MS seated workouts, using Zumba, cardio, stretching, strength building, uh, silver sneakers, total body chair workout, and sitandbefit.org. All examples of places you can find stuff with chair workouts for you. Let's see some ways, to, smart ways to lose weight. For many people with multiple sclerosis, gaining weight is a frustrating reality because our bodies don't move as much as they used to. We're not getting as much physical movement out and that just means weight gain in the long run unless you're on a secure diet or something like that gaining weight is frust- is a frustrating reality causes include an improper diet impaired mobility and drug side effects for example symptom flare-ups are frequently treated with three to five days of glucocorticoids a type of steroid that causes weight gain and if you're in the hospital for 
three to five days, you're probably not getting as much movement as you would elsewhere. Putting on pounds is a common side effect of other medications such as pregabalin, Lyrica, and gabapentin, which is Neurontin, which are often prescribed to treat neuropathic pain and MS. Symptoms such as fatigue, spasticity, depression, and anxiety often intertwine to contribute to weight gain. I'm glad to hear about those two, Lyrica and Neurontin, because my neuropathic pain with my side being ripped open by razor blades and someone taking a handful of glass shards and soaked in rubbing alcohol and stuffing them into the open wounds after they sliced me open, that feeling is back and back strong again. So he gives me a break for a little while and then it comes back. He gives me a break for a day or two, then comes back. And I love how this time it came back right in the middle of the night. So I'm in a deep dead sleep and all of a sudden it feels like someone's doing surgery on my body without my permission. But talk to your doctor, manage your medications, brainstorm some strategies, get some nutritional help and find ways to move and stay positive are all great ways to help you lose help you get started on the route to losing weight recumbent stationary stationary bikes are good resistance bands body weight exercises like lunges and squats Physical therapist or trainer at the nearest medical center can help design a program that works for you if you need help. Get creative about exercise. Look for modifications, everything from wrist supports to help you lift weights to adaptive devices that can help you move. And like I've mentioned in the past with like DDP yoga, using resistance, your own body's resistance is a great way to make your mind and body think that it's working harder than it is and it will benefit your body more than if you just do an arm curl instead you do a resisting arm curl where you're pulling your arms away from the direction that you're pulling your arms towards and you're just doing that resistance while you're moving it makes your body think you're using weights uh dr kalb she tells her patients to think about when they would want to know similar information about a person, well, this is about couples navigate, navigating around multiple sclerosis, but she tells her patients to think about when they would want to know similar information about a person they're dating and use that as a guide. You may not want to blurt it out before the appetizers arrive, but when I put it on the table early in the relationship, when the stakes are lower and let them know that you have multiple sclerosis. So they kind of got a concept of what they're going to be working with. You don't want to sit there and just have a relationship for a few days, few weeks, few months, and all of a sudden you have a major exasperation and then you explain it to them and it's like, okay, you just lied to them about your whole entire relationship. You didn't put everything on the table. You should put your cards out there and they should do the same. Who knows? They might have some issues that they might not have mentioned until you mentioned yours, and then maybe you can work them out together if you get if you enjoy each other's company. Who knows? 
Dr. Kalb also recommends that patients be prepared for anything from dead silence to the person thinking you already have one foot in the grave. So kind of explain to them how multiple sclerosis works and they don't understand and you don't want to just scare them away right away. Different roles, whether you're disclosing to a new view or living your day-to-day with your spouse for 20 years, you're likely to notice a significant shift in roles following news of the diagnosis. MS symptoms typically come during a life stage that's equated with productivity, child rearing, and accomplishment. It's a time when your significant other may expect to play the caregiver role for an elderly parent or a new baby, but not for a spouse. Research shows that women, in general, tend to focus on keeping their husbands involved, functioning, and independent. Men, on the other hand, typically try to protect their wife's energy, learning to give injections with the least amount of bruising and pain, taking over household chores, and accompanying their wives to medical appointments. A condition like MS can bring out supportive and nurturing qualities in partners. Unless you're my wife, then you might be mean. (laughs) Non-supportive. It's good to have people that can help you out and understand. I, I tried to help my wife with her shots. I'm the one with MS, and I think I was hurting her more than she was hurting herself, so she eventually learned to give her her own shots for her issues but nevertheless the line between caregiving and pity can blur and you don't want to have a pitiful partner someone that's just pitying you it's just not fun in the long run it can get really annoying and then cause more anxiety than need be and cause more problems for you some couples are undone not by role changes but by different coping styles The husband in one couple didn't want anyone to know about his illness, so his wife had to stay mom, too. Not being able to talk about it with her friends was difficult, but she felt she needed to support her husband. In some cases, when partners sacrifice their own needs and desires to the point where they lose themselves in their partner's illness, the relationship also suffers. But yeah, it's like, just get it out there. So many people are worried about how people will take it, how they'll react, how they'll treat you. It's like, don't you want the truth right up front? Do you really want to spend years lying to people, hiding things from people? And then all of a sudden, they're like, what? You never told us? Why Why didn't you trust us? And then they're pissed at you in that aspect. It's just always best to get everything out front. It's like, don't lie. Don't hide stuff. Don't do none of that. And just be out straightforward with people. This world would be such a better place if we all just pulled it the way it was. MS is the third person in a marriage, one with demands, desires, and a disposition all its own, usually a nasty disposition. Flexibility and creativity are two of the key qualities that couples and families who manage MS successfully learn to develop. Partners may need support at the same time that they're expected to provide it. 
The partner also experiences losses in terms of role and relationship changes, career and financial difficulties, and reduced physical intimacy. Each of these factors places additional strain on the relationship. Some partners even feel as though the relationship journey is easier for the person who has MS. And I get that. But if you are straightforward with everything and you aren't hiding stuff from each other, you let each other know how you feel about everything, it's going to be a lot less strain on both of you in the long run. And it's like my wife, I give her shit all the time for not helping me out with things and stuff like that. And then she gives me the whole, well, I'm trying to help you by not doing it for you. <laughs> I want you to be able to do stuff as long as you can. So yeah, that's a nice thought, but it's also extra strain on me. So that extra stuff I'm doing that I could get a little help with is just making my progression of my disease come faster. So it would be better to have the helping hand in the long run, but I get it. You don't think about it. You're around it all the time. And it's like, you just get used to it. And unless you're asked for help, you don't really think about offering help sometimes. For the partners, it's often a question of stamina. How long can they sustain the required level of caretaking? Most experts emphasize that people can't be good caregivers unless they take care of themselves first, and you should take care of yourself first. And don't don't put all your effort into being the caregiver and not taking care of yourself. And you're going to get sick, you're going to have health problems, you're going to deteriorate, and that's not going to benefit the two of you at all. It's just going to make it all worse in the long run. Despite these challenges, research shows that people with MS may stay with MS stay married and get divorced at the same rate as the general population. So that's a good thing to know that it's not a larger amount or anything like that. It's just we got just as many relationship issues as the regular people. Our relationships fall apart just as much as theirs do. <laughs> the important thing is making sure partners have an outlet for the stresses of caregiving. Caregiving. As many as 56% of patients experience some impairments in sexual functioning, and others report a drop in libido. Depression and anxiety contribute to a reduced libido. And being the caregiver themselves, that can increase increase their uh, drop in libido also. So it's like you're constantly dealing with all the nastiness and everything else. You don't even want to consider thinking about any relation, any uh, sexual relationship in the, along the way. And things fall apart that way too. On the other hand, some patients, especially those with milder symptoms, crave crave more intimate contact with their partners. But despite the impact of MS on quality of life, many patients say MS has had some positive effects on their lives, often helping them develop inner strength, make new friends, or become involved in new activities. Perhaps even more important, 
Most report that the quality of communication with their significant others has improved. That's a good thing. You let more things out. You get to know each other better. It's better in the long run. And if they don't like it and you guys can't get along anymore, then you eliminate something that would have fell apart possibly in the future. And it's better to get it out now and over with and get those things figured out. Instead of having a bunch of kids and having a long-term relationship and then all of a sudden just falls apart because the people can't stand each other. And in the long run, your partner wasn't going to be there to support you if something happens to you. But if something happened to them, they would have probably expected support. But yeah, it's it's a two-way uh, trick, so you got to work together. All right, let's see some other things that patients can do to better their lives. Uh, not being able to afford medication is just one of the obstacles to, to quality care. Others include whether patients have insurance and what type, where they live, their income, their sex, their race, their age and cultural beliefs, and whether they trust physicians. Being seen by a specialist can make a big difference. Telehealth might connect more patients with specialists, but state licensing restrictions often prevent doctors in one state from treating patients in another, even via video conference. But video conference, because of COVID times, has been become gradually become more popular and it has helped out quite a bit. And it's why, why go, why waste time making a trip to the doctor, trying to find a ride, all that stuff. When it's just going to be an appointment where you just basically talk to each other. You can do that over a teleconference, a telehealth meeting, instead of going into the office, taking a risk of getting sick from other people around you and all that stuff. It's a, yeah, I'd rather do a teleconference if able to. Less obvious barriers include lack of access to transportation. If pa patients don't have cars, they can't drive to a lab for a blood test or an MRI. Some patients can't pay for prescriptions or take time off for follow appointments. If you look into your insurances and stuff, Many insurances have programs that you can take advantage of, such as free rides to appoint doctor's appointments and back, uh, medical appointments, pharmacies, stuff like that. Special diet foods delivered to your home. Uh, Fitbit, exercise stuff, uh, different types of therapy things, and there's a large variety of things you can get from certain Companies so always look into your insurance and what they have to offer. Cultural beliefs also can impede diagnosis or treatment. People that don't believe in having certain things done. Uh, physician bias, which can lead to assumptions about who is likely to get MS, also can affect care. Misdiagnosis is also, also common. Dealt with that for 30-some years. Before I finally got the answers I was looking for, now it's too late. Doctors also may miss MS in men, which obviously, 
Yeah, always focus on the heart and all the other things and don't focus on those types of disorders. Ways to be a good advocate for yourself. While inequities in healthcare persist, patients with multiple sclerosis, MS, can take steps to ensure the best care possible, regardless of their sex or ethnicity, where they live, or whether they have insurance or what type. Start with these resources and tips. Tap into patient organizations. Prep for your for your appointments, make a list of questions beforehand. Form an alliance with your doctors, doctor or doctors. You should have a doctor group of doctors for the different things to take care of you. Seek a second opinion. If your doctor looks uncomfortable when you bring up the idea of a second opinion, that's even more reason to go get one. Get help with copays and medication costs. Patients who can't pay for medication may be eligible for assistance programs sponsored by pharmaceutical companies. And just get out there, educate, do some research, look up stuff, find out what you can. Because patients' lack of knowledge can lead to gaps in treatment as well. So cultivating trust is key. And if you can... Figure out things along the way yourself that can help you out. That's a good thing to do so you can make yourself a nice list of things to talk to you. Talk over and discuss with your doctor when you go to your appointment. It's like this thing I got at one of my latest appointments was a current health, uh, a a health, four-page health questionnaire I had to fill out. It's like they wanted to know. Under current health conditions, what did you want to discuss with your doctor? Uh, They wanted to know if you can do certain activities alone with help or cannot do, like climb two flights of stairs, do household chores, drive a car, manage your medications. Uh, They have a pain screen section. Do you have any pain? How long have you had the pain? Where is your pain located? Rate your pain. Uh, pain quality, sharp, dull, aching, constant, radiating, throbbing, burning, or other, like all of the above. And more, how often, how long does it last? What makes your pain worse? What makes it better? How does your pain affect your lifestyle? And it's like, what is your to- tolerable level of pain? <laughs> And they want to know your medical history, what kind of health problems you've had. If you've had cancer, depression, anxiety, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, and on and on and on. Wants to know your hospitalizations. Have you had any serious injuries or illnesses? Have you had blood transfusions, sexually transmitted diseases, allergies? or reactions to any medications or any substances. Uh, Your list of medications, how often you take them, your social history and health risk assessment, basically your marital status, how many children, 
your education, your job. Have you been around hazardous materials? Use tobacco. Uh, recreational drugs, alcohol, relationship problems, uh, exercise routines, if you exercise, but you do. Your, do you have your advanced directive or living will done yet? Uh, a nutritional screening with weight weight gain loss and all that your diet and everything family history of things like arthritis bleeding tendency cancer diabetes heart heart stuff kidney stuff death before 80 before 80 before age 40 strokes tuberculosis anything else that your family history has and i believe i mentioned while i was in the ICU for a week and a half at the Mayo Clinic, they did a whole uh, family history of my family bloodline because my aunt started it years ago because we got some interesting thing like things in our family like Marfan syndrome and stuff and blood clotting, arterial issues and stuff. So they've kept track of all that. So we got a book about our family. Uh, health maintenance review consists of screening exams for women, screening exams for men and women, uh, like colonoscopies, cholesterol, eye exams, pap smear, pelvic exams, uh, personal health reviews of how you judge your health, how you have fatigue, fever, chills, night sweats, sleep disorders. Cataracts, coma, lenses, contact lenses, changes in vision, nose or sinus issues, dental or gum problems, nose bleeds, anxiety and nervousness, depression, uncontrollable sadness. Have you been a victim of physical, sexual, or mental abuse? Is there significant stress affecting your life? Do you feel safe at home? Yeah, hoarseness, neck swelling or lumps, throat irritation, rashes, itching, ears or hearing problems, hearing aid, pain or ringing in the ears, tinnitus, history of asthma, emphysema, bronchitis, pneumonia, tuberculosis, cough, shortness of breath, wheezing. Oh, I'm getting wheezing just reading all this shit. This is a four-page thing I was supposed to fill out before I went in for something of mine. I didn't even get halfway through the first page. Uh, heart, blood clots, chest pain, tightness, sleep with your head or of your bed elevated. Do you wake at night with trouble breathing, heart attack, heart surgery, heart failure, heart, heart murmurs, pain in calf muscles with walking, rheumatic fever, skipped heartbeats or palpitations, swelling of legs or ankles, history of liver disease or jaundice, Abdominal pain, bloody or black stools, constipation, diarrhea, difficult swallowing, gallstones, heartburn, and indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea, <laughs> uh, bowel, nausea, vomiting, peptic ulcers, blood and urine, difficulty starting stream, excessive urinary, 
urination or urgency, infections, nighttime urination, painful or burning urination, stones, involuntary urine leakage, weak stream or dribbling, heat or cold intolerance, leukemia, thyroid issues, hair growth, hair loss, vitamin deficiency, easy bruising, surgeries or dental work, bleeding problems, anemia, weakness of arms, legs, tingling, feeling, seizures, stroke, numbness, memory problems, headaches, head trauma, and on and on and on, but I am running out of time, so I'm going to end it here. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick the shed, monster. Have a great day. Have a great holiday weekend. Uh, have If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you, and we'll see you after the first round of the holidays. Take care. Be good.